Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than one than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. You get more at ApologiaStudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. Do go check out ApologiaStudios.com as soon as you get a chance after the show. We have tons and tons of content up there for you guys. All of Apologia Studios uh, shows and podcasts are there for your listening pleasure and enjoyment. You have Apologia Radio, you have Cultish, you have Sheologians and Provoked. You can also get more when you partner with us in ministry and you sign up for all access and you donate there uh, for the monthly. Uh, you are part of our team that makes everything we do possible. You're a part of this ministry with us. You get the after show, you get Apology Academy, you get all the stuff that is there. You even get the Ask Me Anything once a month. It's a private stream just for all of our partners in ministry where you get to log in and communicate with us and ask questions. And uh, it's a good time. It's a big blessing to do that for you all. And so that's at ApologiaStudios.com. I want to highlight that everyone needs to sign up for Bonson U if you haven't done it yet. You are missing out. You are losing time. You are losing a lot. Uh, Bonson U is up at ApologiaStudios.com, and it is completely for free as a gift to Apologia Studios and to the world uh, from the Bonson family. Uh, a lot of thanks to David Bonson for entrusting us with that uh, great, great treasure. So Dr. Greg Bonson is one of the greatest philosophers and Christian apologists in the history of the Christian Church, and uh, we have his entire uh, teaching ministry, about 2,000 audio lectures, even um, even video uh, lectures uh, from his seminary classes and uh, from church and from his debates. All that stuff has been entrusted to us to give to you. And so it is all coming out. Uh, we're correcting a lot of the audio and uh, fixing a lot of stuff, but it's coming out piecemeal more and more all the time. So it is free. So if you are one of those guys that are like, look, I want to get a seminary education, but I can't go somewhere and sit for it. Um, I can't afford it. Well, you're going to get the best seminary education uh, uh, in terms of lectures and all that you can actually gain from all of that for free from one of the greatest uh, teachers in the history of the Christian church, and it's all available at ApologiaStudios.com. Do take advantage of it. Um, you're missing out on so much. We do believe that learning from Dr. Bonson and that great treasury um, will help to change the world with the truth, and so that's why it's there. And it's a huge investment for us at Apologia Studios to be, to have it and to give it away to everybody, uh, but we believe that uh, it's life-changing, world-transforming stuff, and so it is so worth it. Make sure you do it as soon as you can. Bonson, you at ApologiaStudios.com. I'm Jeff the Common Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. What up? And that is uh, Jerry the Girl. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's Jerry. We never know these days. That's Jeremiah Roberts from Cultish. One of the co-hosts here. 
That's right. That's right. And uh, so we are doing a special show today. Uh, this is, uh, what did I title today? Defending the Faith and Tales from the Street. I saw that. I feel like we're going to go like straight West Side story. That's right. Like- West Side, Tales from the Street. So uh, we've been doing our uh, Mormon uh, Easter pageant evangelism over the last week or so at Apologia Church. Finally. And finally. They open it back up. They've been closed down for years, and it's been we've been a bunch of sad saps around uh, Easter and Christmas because we can't do what we uh, we love to do the most, and that's engage with the Mormon community and give them the gospel. So they open it back up. Pageant's back on. Uh, it's bigger than ever. It's a big musical now. Like, I, speaking of West Side Story, I, it's, I love a parade. It's straight. Oh, yeah. Mary they, Poppins up in there. Right, like and Disney. they and they definitely up the ante on special effects. I looked over, I think, right into the first part of it, and there's a. it looks like a whole sequence where they're out at sea, the whole yeah, it was a calming and... the storm, and it was they they totally changed. They had all the lighting and everything. I was like, yeah. wow, this is really invested a lot. A little, a little up. They they've upped the ante since uh, since the early two thousand slash late nineties when they we first also started removed there. some very important Mormon doctrine from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sneaky devils. Yeah, you sneaky peats. Um, so we're going to talk about defending the Christian faith. We're going to talk about some foundational things today, some important things that really go across the board, whether you guys are doing evangelism and engaging with your Roman Catholic friends or family, or whether you're talking to Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. Hopefully we get to talk about at least two points today of emphasis, uh, the issue of authority and the issue of the gospel itself in terms of how is a person reconciled or have peace with God. We'll tell some tales probably from the street this last week, and uh, before we do that, I'm going to kick it over to uh, Pastor Luke. Tell us what's up. So we've been mentioning it. We're very excited about our new sponsors from AR500, and today I have the Firebird, I don't know which camera I'm supposed to be in, but the Firebird bulletproof backpack that one right there the red one uh which is really really cool and our security team loves this and so yeah it's got some kevlar in it pretty lightweight uh should go and buy yourself one but i can't help but mention that the armored republic the mission is to honor christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve god-given rights and the armored republic there is no king but christ how cool is that don't you love it yeah we are free craftsmen. Body armor is a tool of liberty. We create tools of liberty. Tools of liberty. I love it. Kevlar, so can, yep. guns. They don't make guns. Well, but they'll save, protect but, you from But they guns. are tools of liberty. But they are tools yeah, of those liberty. Those are tool, tools yes, of liberty for this sure. This is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you can visit them at armoredrepublic.com. We are very excited. Say to that again. What's the Armored. Name? Republic.com. I didn't hear you. What'd you say? Armored. <laughs> I was hoping they make ghost guns. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's not say <laughs> let's that not, on YouTube. Let's, let's not say that. Yeah. That was a joke. Uh, yeah. It was a joke. Yeah. It was a joke. I don't really believe that. It's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, hey, uh, one more thing before we get started today with the show. First of all, welcome to everyone who's watching us right now on a live stream. Um, we have some important things that are happening right now um, with End Abortion Now. For those of you guys that have been with us since the beginning, uh, this is momentous. It is a, it's a very big deal. Uh, what's happening across the country with us uh, not only raising up churches and saving lives on a daily basis outside the mills, that's happening consistently, and it's happened because of your prayers and your support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But I want to give a word of encouragement to you about what's happening. Some of you guys have been with us since the very, very beginning of this. You've given, you've prayed. I want to uh, inform you about the fruit of your labor together with us. So we have got a bill in Louisiana. Uh, sorry, Louisiana. And we are going to... It's ba- about to be Winsiana. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Winsiana. I like that. <laughs> that's that's not Louisiana for us. Um, uh, we are going to Baton Rouge, uh, the state capital, on the 30th for our rally for the Bill of Equal Protection. We got a bill there uh, that would criminalize and end it immediately in Louisiana. And uh, the 30th is our um, rally. It's at 10 a.m. at the state capitol, Baton Rouge. Please come join us for that. But here's the good news. We just got word uh, the other day that the, I'll make sure I'm saying this right, the Louisiana Conservative Caucus or the Conservative Caucus of Louisiana, yeah, one, one, of those, of one of those directions, um, they just gave a thumbs up to our bill, our bill to criminalize and yes. end it. Uh, we've never had this happen before. It's tremendous. In a state, it is tremendous because the legislators that we need to vote uh, for justice for these preborn children are a part of that. And so this is a very big deal. Please pray for it. Um, the next four weeks are really going to be consumed with what's happening in that state. We're hoping to even go testify at the hearings. We did get confirmation from the person who's in charge of one of those things uh, that there is going to be a hearing on our bill. It's HB 13, I believe, HB 13. 
Is that right? I think HB so. HB 13. I know I know what the bill's about, but I forget that there's so many bills, I forget which one's which. HB 13. Yeah, I know there's so many numbers, I get them all. I know. It's yeah. hard to get them all together in your head. So uh, head. big praise to God. So uh, thank you to everybody who has been a part of this, truly, since the very beginning. And I do also want to add one more word. You hear me saying a lot, you know, we do things like this. Um, hey, are all access partners, you're making this possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I just want to let you know, like, there's End Abortion Now, but Apologia Studios does everything with End Abortion Now and for it. And so uh, it's our all access partners that are also helping to make everything possible with EAN. So if you're seeing content, like last night, I'll give an example. Last night, we were on the street at the uh, Mormon Temple. sorry. H- H- HB H13. HB 813. Yeah, I, yes. I think that's what I said. Uh, did I? I think you said HB 13. Oh, oh, did I? Okay. I don't All right. know. You may have said it right, but anyways, um, just to clarify. Uh, so last night we were at the Mormon uh, Temple in Mesa, and uh, by the way, big shout out um, to uh, Isaac and to Carmen. Uh, I mean, truly, so you've seen some of them before, guys. They're in the background constantly. We have a great team here. Uh, right now we got uh, Gabe Green on the ones and twos. Um, we got uh, Kyle Pointer. Um, we, we've got uh, Forrest Emery. We've got a great team. But I wanted to say a big shout-out to um, Isaac and Carmen for the work that they put in over the last week. I mean, honestly, they've been working uh, around the clock uh, to update our systems to where when we live stream – we're hopefully not going to have the issues we had before with lagging or, or the stream being killed because we just can't get communication with the satellites or whatever. Uh, we got a new system that uses like four different like four different signals. So if one fails, we've got three more. It just combines them all. They spend a lot of time and getting it, getting it working. We also got some new equipment where if you saw last night when we're out doing evangelism, we've got a team out there. We can mic up a bunch of guys to get multiple cameras and we can switch live between conversations like it's really cool and uh so i want to say praise god for the for isaac and carmen and the extra work they put in i mean honestly they've been here like day and night trying to get this stuff working for so you guys they're passionate about you seeing the content and being blessed by it so they invested all of it uh this week to to make that happen for you but our all access partners you honestly last night when you people saw that stream and it's going to change people's lives christians and mormons alike um uh, it happens because it's, it's a joint effort of ministry, all of us together. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, okay, so let's move into the discussion of what's going on at the Mormon Easter pageant. So uh, Jerry and I met for the very first time when Jerry was, I think, 16, I was 18, something like that. Something like that. Uh, 1996 at the Mormon Temple. You were working with Alpha and Omega Ministries at the time. Yeah. You were out there with them. I was out there all by my lonesome, but we ended up uh, doing evangelism, never met each other in our lives, never mm-hmm. even t- spoke to each other. But you and I both started ministering to a Mormon out there. Uh, we just ended up sort of like being pushed into the same conversation, yeah. had never even spoken to each other, and we were giving him the same God, the same gospel. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then we were like, hey, nice to meet you, and we departed and met uh, years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was uh, 1996, and we've been going consistently. So I just realized it's 2022. That means this is 26 years. Yeah. Is that right? 26 years for me. Wow. Yeah, 26 years for me. I'm a long so time. Over half that, my life. That makes you really old. Over half my life, I've been going to the Mormon Temple in Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. Obviously, it's been closed for three years, but the point is, is it's been a long time of ministry. Yeah. So, well, even like looking back, you think about just the like number wise. I mean, usually it was around ten to one as far as how many Mormons were out there wanting to engage with you versus how many Christians. And so, I remember being out there with you, and it was you and I versus probably about a dozen uh, LDS folks who were, who were talking with us. And it happened a lot. I ended up being surrounded. There's one time where I was surrounded, and I was it was my first time being out there. I'm, I think I was 15. And I remember one time I was completely surrounded, and I didn't really know how to answer this guy and of what he was bringing up. It was my first time being out there. And all of a sudden, this hand comes down on my shoulder, and I look up, and there there is uh, James uh, back there. He had this like Indiana Jones-type hat, and he kind of looked at me and smiled, and he kind of saved me. Did he from- have a whip, too? Uh, he didn't, but uh, thankful he he kind of he kind of took in and did he, t- did he, took over the conversation. Did, did, did he go anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, no, but he did afterwards after the whole thing uh, calmed down. He he said, uh, "I was like, well, uh, welcome. That was your uh, first baptism of fire. Hope you enjoyed it." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, it, it was a long time ago, though. So a lot of fruit. Well, I guess the big thing that's a big... Uh, I saw James this morning. He did an early dividing line. Probably trying not to compete with us. Probably or he's, he's on the road today or something. Um, uh, he was really, really encouraged. You could, I, I was so, It was so great to see him. You could tell he was very, very encouraged. 
at the fruit that God has brought from his labor and his mm. ministry because you know we were out there last night and and uh, we have so many people from members of Apologia Church who are out there yeah. serving and they're so effective and yeah. they're so gracious they know the word they know the Mormon community they know their beliefs so they're engaging with them in a way that has a lot of integrity but also they're doing it with a lot of love but we probably had over 40 people out there last yeah. night on the street with us from Apologia where we really had to tell everyone you got to spread out we can't stand in one yeah, spot yeah they kept telling us we were blocking the sidewalks just our people there were so many of them right yeah and so we had to tell everyone at the beginning like look we we got so many people we got to spread out you guys some of you guys go down to that street some of you guys go down to the west side where the opening of the temple is uh some of you guys go across the street over there some of you stay in the middle because there's so many of us um and we're running out of tracks like i mean we got to order a bunch more because i already ordered them okay good i knew you would uh i I knew you would Mm -hmm. uh so uh like i think the first night we were out there we handed out an entire box almost before the show even started it's like like a thousand tracks Like a thousand tracks. And so God's just been so gracious to us and blessed us. And you know, James this morning was was you could see it. He was he was so encouraged. And he was I don't know if did you guys see it this morning? I didn't. No. Uh so he was talking about the fact that like like there's so much fruit from this. And, you know, uh he was actually going like a step back. He was saying, like, well, I was doing this in terms of James. He was saying, I was doing this because of the investment of like the Tanners, Gerald mm-hmm. and Sandra Tanner. Yeah. And he said like our first time going to Mormon General Conference, we drove through the night and we arrived at Sandra Tanner's house in the morning, took showers, put our suits on and then went to had the temple. Time, and he then probably to, had taco yeah, time for sure. Yeah. But he was saying like, you know, the fruit of his ministry came from Sandra Tanner, you know. Wow. And then he was talking about like the, what's happening now with Apologia. Yeah. I just finally met her, by the way. Did you? I know I did. Yeah. I saw that. It was so cool. Isn't she great? Oh she's my gosh, so, she's, she's so sweet. Yeah. She's so sweet, and so, such a blessing. I don't think people, many people today, who are just maybe just diving into this discussion of like evangelism to the Mormon community, really understand the um, the debt that we owe to the Tanners. Uh, because their their stuff was like original gangster. Like, yeah. I mean, they go to the temple or the history department of the Mormon Church. They're like, you know, t- you know, they're photocopying stuff. I mean, they're just spending hours and hours and hours in original Mormon uh, publications and documentation to get that information into people's hands. Um, and you know, that was a big blessing to James is a big blessing to me. Like when I was, I think I know for sure, without a doubt, Hmm. when you and I first met in 1996 and I was on the street and I had my backpack without a doubt, I had my backpack filled with resources from Gerald and Sandra Tanner. And those are big books. Mormonism. They were huge. Mormonism shadow reality. It's a giant, it's a block. It's not a book. It's not, it's not a book. It's a block. It's not pretty. Yeah, none of their books were pretty, but they were just fat, and it was like photocopies and photocopies of original documents and all that stuff. Because it was important for the Tanners to not just make make claims as quote unquote anti Mormons, Mm -hmm. but to say like, look, we used to be Mormon, we came to Christ, and here's this is the text. This is from the church. Like this isn't just a claim about your church. Your church teaches this. Here's what they actually said. Here's what was here's what was done. And so I had my backpack like all their materials because when you talk to Mormons back then that actually wanted to argue with you. They wanted, they saw you as oh, Gentiles. Yeah. They they believed what the Book of Mormon says. There's a church of God and a church of the devil and mm-hmm. all your creeds are an abomination. They believed that. They wanted to engage with you when you would tell them, hey, Joseph said this. They would just be like, no, right. he didn't. And you'd have to pull out the documentation because you didn't have Google. You couldn't pull up your phone. Right. You couldn't just quick get a quick PDF of it. Like you, you had to have it with you. And carry it. I remember James did. He had big, big stuff that he would carry out there. And was that during his bodybuilding days? Well, I've seen. Yeah, I've told you about this. Like I've seen, I've seen James transform from yeah. nerd, uber nerd scholar stage to which he's kind of always in, but yeah. not the way he looks. Yeah, not the way yeah, he looks physically. Because he, yeah. uh, he is, he's insane the way his brain works. Um, but uh, he looked like an uber nerd scholar. <laughs> To to you know, all of a sudden he comes out and he's he's beefy uh, uh, Whitenegger. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like he comes out and he would be resting. He would he'd be he'd be he'd be resting his arms like on his 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 breasticles. He'd just be like you know he just. Like, well, not only that, he had he had kind of like bar- he was all barrel chested too. So there'd be times where they they were like Mormons who were upset or getting kind of aggressive, and you because he would just kind of like. 
bounce him back a little uh, bit. But yeah, you could, he's, you could maybe we'll explore this. Yeah, space. so <laughs> say, why don't you explore the space? <laughs> um, but it was funny, like, uh, like I mean, it's just funny is it, the way that James used to be when he was all beefy bodybuilder. He wouldn't have needed Pastor Zach to come to his defense no. with the atheist in Utah when he was like, "Show yeah. me, show me, show me." And uh, Pastor Zach's like, why don't you show this man some respect? <laughs> Pastor Zach, if you guys watch that video where Pastor Zach, he tries to come in because we did the debate with the atheist and he comes yeah. up and he's, he's all like, nasty. Hey, he's like, hey, hey, how you doing? He shows this man some respect. You got to give this man some respect. Back up. Show him some respect. So anyways, nerd scholar stage to beefy bodybuilder to bicyclist. And uh, I've seen him all the stages. All the stages. Mm. All what, what's also interesting, too, when you talk about just the progression of, the, of being out there at the Easter pageant, there's always been something going on with people on staff trying to interfere with our outreach. Talk, so, let's tell some stories yeah, about that. So tales I, I, tales I, so, from the street. So before we kind of get into there's if you there's an incident last night I'll talk about in a second that's on their live stream. But uh, when I first went out there, the first I think the first two years, what they tried to do is that they had some bigger guys who were in the play. They're playing Roman centurions, but they decided to go out there uh, on at that time on the east corner and try and hand out pamphlets to the people coming over in order to interfere, try and refer them to to them versus having us giving them tracks. And so I remember there's, I wish I had taken photos back then. I think there's a couple of times where I saw James white talking with a guy who is twice his size. This guy who was probably like six foot 10 dressed completely head to toe, like a Roman centurion trying to hand out the Easter pageant uh, flyers, which is also interesting too. One of the things I remember particularly is that there was a, uh, on the flyer, there was a poem, it was like a poem to the Savior, and I remember I was reading through it for the very first time I was out there, and there's a stanza that said, I saw him from Gethsemane where he bled from every pore, and from there he began to atone for my sins forever more and more. So that was, yeah, so that was one wow. example. You can't even remember where you put your wallet. I, I didn't ask for these powers. I, you remember that. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I know, I right? I was like, I wouldn't remember that. I, I have these like isolated areas of, of memory superpowers, but you know, apparently I don't remember where my apparently. keys are. And that and that's where you can relocate my Mazda car when I'm not looking, if you don't remember that. <laughs> but um, so that's one example where you'd see earlier doctrine kind of like slipping in a little bit. It's a lot, even it's even more subtle these days. And so, you know, this time, we had issues on Saturday where they were trying to, because now it's instead of on the uh, east side, it's on the uh, it's on the west corner yeah. where we are now, and and we had some people on security, nice people, and I think they're just trying to, you know, they believe they're doing the righteous thing, trying to fend against us, but they were trying to say we could only stand on the very very edge past the fire hydrant, like right against where the cars are zipping by, because everything else is church property. So we double checked the zoning districts, and. We, I came back last night and showed them the paperwork and literally, uh, so it, last night as Oscar is talking to that gentleman and I've got the microphone next to me, there's about 13 security people, including the head of security, all like around the paperwork that I handed them saying this is the zoning district. So they're in charge of protecting their church property, but they're all unsure of where the actual line is. Right. And so he comes up, this guy, one guy comes up to me and he's trying to tell me, no, this actually back over there. And I said, no, it's not. It's like, you have a, you can either get a tape measure yourself or you can bring a police officer. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about lesser magistrates. So it was a great opportunity to where righteously, I would say, no, you're trying to be unjust and enforce something that's out of your jurisdiction. I would like a higher magistrate, please. Yeah. They so, actually made the sidewalks wider, which is helpful for us. But yeah. I did, I have noticed, because like the last few times we were there after, you know, Jeff knows for a while, like it was the same security people. They knew us. Yeah. They knew we weren't trying to cause trouble and you know they would talk to us graciously and there was no never any issues yeah. it was more issues with the mormon cops when we'd have issues with but this year it's like it's a whole new crop yeah. of security team and they're like trying to like you know intimidate us and stuff and i'm like bro i've been here becoming i've been coming right. as long as you but i forget 15 years well, 15 years yeah, yeah. Like, the, the funny part at the end is that one of the uh security guys i talked to afterwards he said he goes yeah actually my day job is that i'm a i'm an attorney and i i specialize my my I specialize in zoning districts. So he said, when I saw them doing that, he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm basically pulling a Pontius pile. My hands are clean of this because <laughs> I'm not touching that. So yeah. even Craig, you know, we love Craig, our friend, our Mormon friend, Craig, he even was like, 
He even told me he's like there to make sure that they're not harassing us. Yeah. His security people. Yeah, like, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it, those were all new guys. And I came over at one point and I was like, hey, you know, I'm 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 leading this group. Yeah. I said, if you have any questions, ask me. I've been here for twenty six years. I said, We've we've dealt with this before. They were really upset that I was starting to engage mm-hmm. with the police. They're like, we got it, we got it. I was like, well, okay, I'm just letting you know. Like, you know, I can tell you what the Mesa Police Department has told us for the last 20 some odd years. Like, we yeah. know we know how to do this. We're going to respect your property. We're not going to be on your property handing anything out, but we know where to stand. We'll be out of everyone's way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, especially early on, I'd say like, I don't know, anywhere from like 1996 to 2004. Um, that's when we really had the most conflict with security where they would try yeah. to, you know, get us off. They would, um, like just be waiting. I mean, waiting for your foot to touch like the mm-hmm. wrong part of the grass and ready to arrest you. One yeah. time, I had a friend of mine who was a cop with Mesa PD, and um, he ended up taking the job that night, um, the extra work to like mm-hmm. you know be a cop there yeah. and all that stuff. He walked up to me, and I, I won't say his name because uh, I don't know if he's still working for Mesa PD. But he's like, "Hey, he's like, how you doing?" I was like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know you're gonna be here." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Hey, uh, take a look uh, over my shoulder right now. Don't make it obvious. Just look over my shoulder right now." And I was like, uh, "Okay." He goes. You see that group of police officers looking at you? I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, uh, they're all conspiring to arrest you. He said, so I'm just, I'm, I'm letting you, I'm letting you know that if your foot touches that part of the grass, they're gonna come and they're gonna, they're gonna take you. So I'm just letting you know they're all Mormons and they're, they're working and trying to get you arrested. So, yeah. And I was one like, of the earlier, thanks for that. Yeah, <laughs> the first time I actually went out with you, uh, there was a time at the east entrance, uh, on the east corner, where everyone was leaving and I asked specifically, I said, Hey, I don't want to be in the way. Where can, where can I go? So I'm not in the way. And I said, is it, and I asked one officer, is it okay if I actually walk around this one corner to get over there? That's all I'm going to do. And I, so I got one officer's permission and he says, yes, that's fine. And so I walk around. So I'm just walking around and all of a sudden uh, somebody grabs my wrist and kind of yanks me back. And next thing you know, there's this shorter, police officer and he's like looking at me and he is fuming like his blood is boiling and i just said what's going on i'm just trying to get over there the other officer over there and he goes are you trying to get smart with me and he's like i'm and he's just basically started threatening to arrest me on the spot and back then i think we had one bazooka camera Mm -hmm. and so you actually jumped in and you said you pointed to so-and-so and you're like so-and-so grab the camera and then all of a sudden he got kind of you know, he kind of backed down. So you, you have that sort of situation. I do think the one thing that's substantially changed, uh, we've had this conversation before. Back then, in the early, in the late 90s, early 2000s, they really knew their doctrine. They were yeah. very consistent with their first icebreaker was the great apostasy and the fact that Joseph Smith's actual vision is that all the other professors were corrupt, all the creeds were an abomination in God's sight, so we're in the truth. You essentially are Gentiles. You are not in the truth. And not only that, the majority of people, when the play would start, who would come out, were missionaries uh, who were willing to engage. They were passionate about their faith and wanted to talk. I think one of the main things which has changed substantially is that, one, they don't know their doctrine— uh, you have to, and I've had this, I've, I've coined this phrase, you have to pre-convert them to Mormonism many a times. Mm-hmm. But even this year, I feel like it, it's something has changed even the last three years compared to when we went to uh, Salt Lake City to the LDS conference oh. at the beginning of 2019 yeah. um, to where worse, there yeah. is this spirit of indifference among these are supposed to be the missionaries. You're supposed to be the representative of Christ's true church on earth. And you're supposed to be more than missionaries. Jesus said to to his followers, I will give you words which your adversaries will not be able to speak against. And I cannot tell you, we I have not had one missionary willing to actually oh, engage no. in a conversation. I don't it think is, they're allowed to. I think they'll get in trouble. Yeah, to me, it's, it's, it's stunning because I've seen the polar opposite from 20 years ago. Yeah, no, for sure. And my son, Stellar, was out there last night. Evie was out there last night, too. Uh, Luke's daughter, but uh, I mean, they've been raised out, and they've been raised up on it. Um, yeah, raised on the and, streets, and uh, raised on the streets of Mesa. Mesa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but he was out there handing out tracks, and he he engaged in some conversations with some people. But when we left last night, he said he said, "Man, I can't." He's like, "I can't get these more missionaries to even talk." He's like, yeah. I, "I tried to engage a few of them." And I just asked him simple questions. I gave him like a Bible verse, and they just didn't even know what they believed. And then there was like, uh, and they walked away. And I just said to my son, I said, Stellar, can you imagine 
a Christian missionary behaving in that way if somebody came to us and wanted to talk about the gospel? He's like, no, it would never happen. He's like, how, how could a Christian missionary like, yeah. abandon the opportunity yeah. for a gospel uh, and, conversation? And it's, and it's not even... Let's get my son seat. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Not even attitude, it's not even attitude that, hey, I want to talk to you, but I'm not allowed to. It's complete rolling the eyes, complete oh, yeah. indifference. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a situation, I think, on Saturday where one of them, where it's like, hey, we'd love to talk to you about Jesus. I mean, you're missionaries. Can you please talk to us? And they're like, no, we're not interested. I'll see you in heaven, bro. Like, that's an <laughs> actual... What was that? That's some, yeah. The yeah. first night we were that one missionary was like, hard cut, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, kept yeah. walking. We were like... Right. I, I, I will still try to engage more missionaries, but I feel like, yeah, there's this, this, this real sense of indifference that they have uh, that, yeah, you did not see... Uh, 10 years ago, 12 years yeah. ago. I mean, it was it was always difficult to even then get him, come on, come on, talk to us, talk to us. But now, yeah, it's just like, we're fine, you're fine, we're good. It's like, well, have you, guys, what are you teaching people on your first lesson? Isn't it, the, isn't it the, the first vision? And doesn't that say that all their creeds are an abomination, the professors are corrupt, they draw near to me with their hearts, but their heart, sorry, with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me? Um, you know, like, let's talk about that, let's engage. But I, you know, I, I think maybe it's possible, there's some sense in which, you know, the videos that, say, Apologia and other ministries have put out of the engagement with the Mormon missionaries mm-hmm. on the streets, that that's caused such a problem for the Mormon church that they've probably, maybe they've told their their missionaries, like, do not engage. Yeah. Um, because it has caused devastation to the Mormon church to see the missionaries out there as representatives of the of the of the church, uh, getting refuted with the word of God, not just from our ministry, but from all yeah. kinds of ministries that film that content. And so maybe, man, like I said, just I'm just suggesting. Well, maybe. also I think there's a financial incentive if you have somebody who's attending an Easter pageant and they are a temple attending, tithe paying, loyal Mormon, and they come to Christ. And let's just say they're making you know 200k a year, um, and all of a sudden they not only leave but they stop tithing that. That's a huge financial loss, and somebody's got to pay for the new 17 temples that Russell M. Nelson announced at General Conference. So I think there's that aspect because they did shut down, even prior to COVID, almost all of the Easter pageants, even the one up in New York, the really famous one by Joseph, where where you did you went up with James White. Oh, yeah, yeah, the one in Palmyra. Yeah. Car- almost Car- all of The Hill Camorra. Yeah, yeah, like almost all of them have shut down. Permanently. Yeah. And I think one of the main variables in play was the fact that this was a time where Christians would come out uh, and they would see that. But not only that, we, you know, think of all the people who've come to Christ. You think about the video, the feisty girl uh, talks about Mormonism or even like Dan Tate, you know, who was out with me last night talking to some younger men who are who are my age back when the first time when I, when I was out there. Like well, they yeah. yeah, they they know like these videos that we shoot out at these locations, these are being uploaded and being the one we did last night already has ten thousand views and people come to Christ because of that out of Mormonism. Yeah, yeah. They realize it's problematic. I, to, I to met I met two I met uh, two two um uh well I, I met some ex-Mormons last night that it came to Christ as a result of watching our content. They came mm. to the temple to say hi. Yeah. I met a guy who said that he is LDS, but he's being challenged by in our videos now, oh, and he yeah. came out to, to visit and talk with us. Yeah. Um, and so God is, God is truly using that content to, to bless and to change the world, for mm-hmm. sure. And, and a good point. I mean, like, Daniel was out there last night yeah. as a member of the uh, true body of Christ. He's in Christ now, and he, his, his history, you know, to God's glory, is... Up on our channel yeah. where he comes out that night, we're on the street, and he says, you know, mm. I, I'm being challenged by this stuff. And then he comes to Christ. He's been growing mm. in Christ for, for several years now, and now he's out there on the street yeah. with us. It, right. Feisty Mormon girl. Oh, yeah. You know, shows mm-hmm. up, what, mm-hmm. three years later here at the studio to say, you know, she's been watching the video of their interaction, mm. of the interaction, and now she knows the church isn't true. Yeah. You know? And there, and they just, I just want to say, too, is that, you know, we have, you know, 40-some people out there, and every single person has their unique and distinct gifts in regards to how they evangelize. And so there, there's probably some people who kind of think, well, I have to be, I have to be Jeff Turbin in order to be out there. Like, no, you have to just be you. So even, so even last night when we started engaging with these three young men across the street in the park, um, you know, initially I was trying to do an icebreaker and I kind of felt like that, you know, 
older for I mean I'm 40 but like that hip youth pastor trying to relate to the youth and they're just not getting it so I, d- I did my icebreaker with them and they're just like I don't get what you're asking I'm like oh no and so Dan Tate was right next to me like Dan you want to <laughs> us over so all of a sudden he broke the ice talking about you know them and being in their boy scouts and some things about them in their priesthood meetings and so they, they immediately connected with that so even in, in this area all my experience being out there I mean I just was not it was just not it was not fitting with this conversation but dan utilized you know his skill set of how the lord's worked in his life and it ended up being a very very fruitful conversation yeah that was i think probably one of the greatest gifts over the last week for me i'm sure luke you feel the same way about this is Mm -hmm. you know so much time and investment being out of the temple you know there's times where we were out there there's no cameras it's just us evangelizing mormon community spending tons of time with them hours and hours and hours invested in people preaching the gospel, and at times frustration because there's no other Christians out there with us, and we're like, man, there's so much fruit here. I wish the church would get out here. We could yeah. we could win all these Mormon people to Christ and to the truth if we could just have more people with us. Um, but there's so much time invested like that. But l- the last week, I've been able to go, you've been able to go, and honestly, we, we've been able to just sort of just be present and, and watch mm. all of these other believers with so much courage, handing out tracts, even yeah. down to little kids handing out yeah. tracts, Clementine's evangelizing, yeah. James's granddaughter's evangelizing Mormon cops yeah. uh, in a way that only she can, where she's literally boldly challenging them, yeah. and sh- they're dying laughing because she's so charming. And tiny. Uh, and small. And uh, in the last night even, I get to sit and watch members of our church handle the Latter-day Saint with so much love and so much truth and so much boldness, and I don't have to... It's, it, it's, it's almost like you feel like, okay, praise God. Like, I, I think, okay, I think we did some of this right because yeah. I don't have to be the one doing it. And these people don't have to be Luke. They don't have mm. to be Jerry. They don't have to be me. Uh, I, I get to sit back and watch God by his spirit uniquely use each of these believers and all their giftings. And it's, mm. it's truly, but with the same message. Yeah. With the same message, a truly encouraging thing to yeah. see. Yeah. And I think as well, too, that when you go out there, I mean, a lot of times, even in today's really post-Christian, post-modern society, the idea of going out and preaching and doing evangelism is just, it's very unpopular, uh, just culturally, but even among evangelicalism, I mean, people are just like, why don't you just go and start a bunch of relationships? You can do that. I mean, there's, there's you know, a bunch of my neighbors are LDS and things like that. But I think ultimately, you know, when we're out there, it's it's probably some of the most enjoyable, loving conversations that you can have just being there and, and talking to them. And I think also what's really important is that you have to, you have to have the right motives of being out there. Like you, you're going yeah. out there not to be right, not to win an art to say, hi, right. I won the argument, but you want to see these people legitimately come to Christ. Cause I had it last night and it's happened before when you're hitting them with scripture and they're looking you in the eyes and, and with their, their eyes tearing up and they start bearing their testimony and all of a sudden you know something's going on internally. Yeah. You know ultimately that's a spiritual battle going on. And like in that moment, I mean, I think some of the biggest ways that how is, is even ministering, like as you're giving them the gospel and as you're refuting the things that they're saying, giving them scripture is to show that I, I genuinely care about you. And, it's, and I think when, you, when they actually see that, and like you, you generally care for them. Like it's burden for me. It's burdensome for me. Like when I see, you know, wh- however many thousands of people out there seeing this false gospel, and, and like you know, there's one moment where I think, you know, I think it's pre-recorded the audio, but there's like a little girl up on stage, and she's she's singing some little cute stanza in the LDS temple. It's like, you know, from their vantage point, this is cute and adorable and all that. But at the end of the day, like this is a false gospel that's sending people to hell. Yeah. And this is, this isn't something we should gloat over. It should break yeah. our hearts and it should. And so, but yeah, I mean, just, just being out there in the atmosphere, it's one of those things that you, it doesn't, it's not until you actually go out there and experience it. And I'm so glad so many people at our church got to see this for the first time. Cause I, I mean, I hear him all these years later, it had such an impact right. on my life even now to this day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Some of the best times of my life for out there doing evangelism yeah. in the Mormon community. You bring up a good point and just about loving, loving them, mm-hmm. the loving nature of a lot of these conversations. Now that's not to say, this is really important. It's not to say that, that, that that's always the aim is that it feels good. There's all this emotional connection and love and all that stuff yeah. that the aim is to preach the truth. But and it's not to say that you're not ever going to get hit. 
I mean, that's happened to us. Mm -hmm. Like, people pushed us, spit on us, thrown stuff at us. Yeah, that's happened. But honestly, out of thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of hours, like, it's, it's like that's Very few rare. and far between. That's like rare, rare, rare. But the most common is what, like what we experienced even last night. Like the, you know, you, you have a good conversation, you give yeah. them challenges and maybe you exchange numbers. Maybe you meet them later, you hand them something, they go home and they think about it. Um, and like even this conversation I'll play for you guys right now. Uh, this is someone that the three of us have known for many, many years. Um, yeah. his name is Stefan. And, uh, actually if you look through, I wouldn't even know what the titles of the videos are. There's so many of them, but if I know if you look through our history of videos of us engaging with Mormons, yeah, you'll see Stefan in there several times. There were, there was people that, that even when they, he was out there, I saw him not last night, but the night before for the first time, someone was like, Oh, is that Stefan from the videos? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he's in a number of our videos. Yeah. Like there's a video even with Ivy Connerly, uh, he's in with I us. Like, yeah. That. Uh, and you know, uh, so I think. Uh, Jerry, you were saying that the first time I met him wasn't with you. You weren't there. Not the first time. It was a, it was probably the second time. So yeah, it's like twenty some odd years ago. I'm out at the temple. I was on the west side. I may have just been alone that night, and I met Stefan. And I remember that that was the night where he threw himself against the gate. Right? That told you that story, or what? Did you witness that story? I forget. Um, I witnessed that story, and and I witnessed. Uh, I was. I knew that story, so the second time I was I met him, I was prepared for what happened. Okay, yeah. So Stefan, we've had a long I've had a long relationship with. I I was saying to him last night, I, I feel fairly confident about this, that I have spent more time evangelizing, challenging, and speaking to Stefan than any Mormon in my life. Um I mean I'm talking like some nights yeah. I'd we'd be out on the west side of the temple with Stefan to like two in the morning, um, one in the morning, and for hours and hours and hours uh, talking to Stefan, giving him really strong challenges. Uh, there's some funny stories with Stefan. I won't go into all those stories. Uh, but last night, Stefan showed up. He showed up again. Temple's back on. Easter badge back on. And he showed back up. And I'm going to play for you guys. Uh, this I, I, I find it to be a very sweet interaction between Stefan and I last night outside the temple. Here it is. Stefan. Jeff. I owe you a big apology. Why? And ask you to forgive me. Oh, well, why? Of course. Why? For getting angry at you all these oh. years. <laughs> you have kicked my Mormon butt for the past 20 years. And I've... The Spirit has said, Stephen, you're wrong for getting angry. Okay? So, but I want to thank you for coming. Well, thank you for because, blessing me. Because what has happened is that I've gotten stronger in the Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, as a result of you kicking my butt. <laughs> See, when, when, when I got through, you know, I, I was in... So you can see, uh, I just got to point it out, you can see uh, Luke... Keep, keep that screen up there, Gabe. You can see Luke. You just saw Summer. You can see Carmen behind me. You can see Evie, Luke's daughter, right there. She's got the beanie on with the blonde hair. And you can see uh, Clementine's kids there. You can see Katie there. Um, Summer's kids. Yeah. Oh, did I say? Clementine. Oh, did I say? I'm sorry, I meant to say Clementine. <laughs> That's her. Yeah, Summer's kids. One of Clementine. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you probably uh, said that because she looks like Summer when you probably she, met her. Oh well. I, I, let me tell you right now, guys. I'll tell you right now, this is truth. If you want to know what Summer looked like as a little girl, Clementine. Um, I'm telling you right now, it's weird. Uh, seeing Clementine out there, it reminds me of when I was out there and Summer was small like that. I mean, it's like it's like having her twin out uh, there. So, But um, this is Stefan, and I thought it was uh, a really cool interaction. I'll play some more for you. Uh, Stefan tends to do this. He'll tend to change the subject and he'll 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 call, go off on rabbit trails a lot. Uh, you know, if you watch the interaction from last night with Stefan and I, you'll see. I think this is after twenty some odd years of evangelism and really hitting him hard with some stuff. He's getting very old now, and I think the main thing I wanted to communicate to him last night, and you'll see it, is that you've received so much light, Stefan, and you and I are getting closer and closer to the day where our eyes open and we're before our Creator. And I'm, I'm, I'm worried about you because you've received so much light and you're close to meeting him. 
and um, and and that's that's an important thing. And so um, I'll play a little bit, little bit more uh, of Stefan here. Pain. That first night, December the first, two thousand two. That's is that when we first met. That was we were over there on the west gate of the okay. temple. Okay. And you were telling me all these things about exegesis and eisegesis and Mormons. Uh, use, Mormons and Christians use the same words but have different meanings. And I'm, and I'm having all this cognitive dissonance going on. And so what happened was I went home and I started looking things up. For instance, Mormons and Christians use the same words but have different meanings. Right. So I looked it up, those six words, and I found a website called Christian Apologetic Research Ministry run by Matt Slick. Mm -hmm. So my question now is, did Matt Slick get that from you or did you get that from him? <laughs> that, well, just the, the, the conceptual thing of using the same language but meaning something different. different yeah. I think that, um, well, Where's the, the source of denial? Well, I would, say, I, I would start, that's a very good question. By the way, I, of course, I, I've never even, forgive you, of course. Don't, I love you, Stefan. I, I Seriously, you're one of my most cherished memories out and here. I love you, too, because that's why I pass out Bible reading plans, and I encourage people to read the whole Bible. Yeah, which I've always appreciated about you. Um, so you asked the question, like, where would the idea come from of, of using the name Jesus but meaning something else, right? Yeah. You know, um, so 2 Corinthians 11, Paul uses that concept when he says that he's worried about those Christians in Corinth, that they'll be uh, deceived by the, the subtlety of Satan, who, who will give them another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. And he says, he, he says basically, he says, you might even put up with them. And so he's worried about that. And, and Stefan, we would both agree this is not a point of dispute between us. That's very early on in the history of the church. I mean, the church in Corinth, Paul dies in the... So the conversation you guys can all catch right here on this channel, it was just um, live last night. I think it's, it's going to be the video right after this one um, in the feed. And um, you can watch a number of conversations that took place, long conversation uh, between Stefan and I. Um, but pray for Stefan, because I, I it was interesting. You'll hear me say in the conversation with him, and then Jerry, did you want to read that comment in a second here? Yeah. Uh, you'll you'll hear me say to Stefan, like, look, I, Luke let me know last night that you were here, um, and I was hoping you'd be here the next night, which was last night for me. Um, and I, I did. I, when Luke sent me that picture, I was like, I really hope he shows up again. And I thought about him all that night. I thought about him when I woke up in the morning yesterday. I thought about him throughout the day. The day and I was thinking, Lord, like, what do you want me to say to him? What should I say to Stefan? And that was the main thing on my heart was, was Stefan, you and I are getting closer and closer and closer to meeting God. Hmm. And um, you've received so much light, so much light. And, uh, and, but you can see the conversation between Stefan and I at times in the past, it's got very interesting and heated, uh, but Stefan and I have a very loving relationship with each other. We care about each other. Um, I love the man, uh, last night was for me was, look, I've, I've spent hours with this guy going into the original text and challenging his belief system. The main thing for me last night was really to communicate my love for him and my concern for him that he's received so much light and he's about to meet God. Hmm. No, that's I, I totally and I had a conversation with it too and I was like, Man, I, I when I when I first saw him, like it was like I didn't recognize him and then, you know, it was like, Oh yeah, I think that is Stefan. But yeah, it's just yeah, he doesn't have much more time. I think that's really the heart we should have with anyone because he, whether you're whether you're fifteen or if you're his age, like you don't know when it's your time to face your creator and that's the importance of taking what's out there. So uh, I just noticed this uh on uh, the most recent video you just mentioned. Uh, this is actually a YouTube comment that's uh, directed to you, Jeff. So I'll read this. This uh, this is posted on the evangelism the evangelism outreach video from last night. Uh, this person says, <clears throat> uh, Charles Cruz says, we call upon Jeff Durbin to stop fighting against Jesus Christ and his church. We ask him in the love of Christ to humble himself before God, to repent of his sins, to accept the biblical Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and to finally become a Christian being baptized by those who hold the proper authority of God. And then he quotes Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Uh, do you have a response to that, Jeff? 
Well, yeah. Do you have an apologia? Yeah, I do. I, th- I think it's important uh, to to look at this from two different perspectives. One is the perspective of what the Word of God actually says. The Word of God pre-existed Joseph Smith and his re- his revelations, his his claimed revelations. And the Word of God says a number. I can just we can do this all day. And Jude verse three, earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Once for all delivered to the saints. Jesus says he would build his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The Bible in Daniel seven thirteen through fourteen says that the Son of Man would be given dominion, kingdom, and authority that would never pass away. It's an everlasting kingdom. Jesus taught that. The apostles taught that. And so when Joseph Smith comes along two thousand years later and says that the church fell into apostasy, disappeared from the earth, and it needed to be restored, that is something that goes against the testimony of the apostles witness in the Lord Jesus himself. The Old and New Testament deny any possibility of something like that taking place. And so fighting against the church, the Bible commands us to test all things, hold fast that which is true, earnestly contend for the faith which is once for all delivered to the saints. You, you can look at the MO of the early leaders and apostles of the church in the book of Acts. They would go to the place of religious worship in Acts chapter 9, and they would argue and dispute there and prove that Jesus was the Messiah. The apostle Paul would go to Mars Hill, to the Areopagus, and he would command them to repent and to trust in Christ, and he would engage with their false religious system. Uh, the apostles would go into the, the world and preach the gospel and the claims of Christ, that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So Christ is the only way to salvation. But as I said to Stephen, 2 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul says it's possible to have a false Christ a false gospel, a false spirit. And Paul says in Galatians 1 that if anyone comes and preaches any other gospel, or if an angel came from heaven with another gospel, he says that that is under the curse of God in Galatians chapter 1. And so this issue is is primarily a biblical issue where we're commanded to engage with it. But I would also point you to your own apostles and your own prophets. This is from Orson Pratt, 1854, the seer, page 15. He says, if We cannot convince you by reason nor by the word of God that your religion is wrong. We will not persecute you, but will sustain you in the privileges guaranteed in the great charter of American liberty. We ask from you the same generosity. Protect us in the exercise of your religious rights. And here it is. Here's uh, Orson Pratt, inspired apostle of the Mormon church. Convince us of our errors of doctrine. If we have any, by reason by logical arguments, or by the word of God. And we will be ever grateful for the information, and you will ever have the pleasing reflection that you have been instruments in the hands of God of redeeming your fellow beings. That is an invitation from an inspired apostle, according to the Mormon Church, in the Mormon Church, telling us, convince us of our errors of doctrine with reason, scripture, and we'll be forever grateful. And that's exactly what we're doing. And, and mm. please, please do remember, this is very important, when people make claims like that, please do remember that Mormon missionaries ride their bikes and drive in their cars and walk door to door on a daily basis globally. And when they knock and they tell people the first lesson, what they say is, is that God said that all the creeds, all the beliefs of the Christian church are an abomination to him. Mm. And all the professors... That's those who profess faith. Those Christian professors are all corrupt. They draw near to God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And so let's please remember that is the Christian church, in this case, with Mormonism, that is on the defense against their claims about God in Revelation. And so it is us who are defending the truth. It is the Mormon church that has stricken the first blow without question. Mm. And the greatest act of love that we can show to anybody who is following a false system, a false Christ, a false God, a false gospel, is to tell them the truth. And we are doing so, in this case, by divine invitation by God and by the invitation of the Mormon leadership themselves, Orson Pratt, the seer, page 15, 1854. Now, also, another question I have, maybe to assert in regards to what this uh, comment says here, uh, it says that you need to uh, be baptized by those who hold the proper authority of God. Uh, What they're talking about is a fact that they have the priesthood authority. Specifically, they have the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood, and you have to submit yourself to that authority. That's what they're asserting. So 
are they onto something here? What are are they onto something there? Or how, how do you respond to that specifically? Because that that's what they're appealing to in this comment. They're appealing to the fact that it, let me read the comment here. He's yeah, a, he's a, make sure I'm addressing it exactly the way he's asking it. So he says um, to those who hold the proper authority, we ask him in the love of Christ to humble himself before God to repent of his sins to accept the biblical Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I have, and that's the point. Um, so responding to that, repent of sins, accept the biblical Christ. That's the point. Is that we accept the biblical Christ, the biblical Christ of John one, who in halagas kai halagas ain proston theon kai theos ain halagas, the one who was always existing alongside the Father in face to face intimate relationship from all eternity, the one who is God, the one who created everything in existence, and without him nothing came into being that's come into being. That includes Satan, by the way. That's a different Christ in Mormonism not the biblical Christ, Elohim has sex with one of his goddess wives to produce Jesus and Lucifer and the other spirit children. So Jesus comes into existence as the spirit child of Elohim in the pre-existence. That's not the biblical Christ. That's contra John 1, 1, A, and B. Um, but in, in biblical theology, Jesus created everything, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, everything in the heavens and on the earth, Colossians Chapter 1, 16 through 18. And so we are following the true Christ. It is the Mormon Jesus that is not the true Christ. So when you say, accept the biblical Jesus Christ, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's the point. And that's our main point of contention against the Mormon community. But then he goes on to say, and to finally become a Christian being baptized by those who hold the proper authority of God, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Um, Well, the, the issue of authority I think needs to come two directions. Number one, how do I know what that what what the authority is? Where do I go for solace in terms of what authority? What's the ultimate authority? The apostles are dead. They're all dead. The the real apostles. They're all dead. They died. They're with the Lord now. So they died, and they were called by Christ as apostles. They gave us the revelation of the Word of God, and they're dead. So the only way to get back to the apostolic teaching of of uh, Jesus Christ and the apostles is to go to their inspired writings, which pre-existed Joseph Smith by about 2,000 years. So in terms of ultimate authority, the only way I know what the apostles thought and taught by inspiration is by going to their writings, the word of the living God, and to test Joseph's claims and Brigham's claims by the word of God. And by the way, again, Orson Pratt uh, encourages us to do so, convince us of our errors of doctrine by scripture. And that's precisely what we're doing. But in terms of authority, the Mormon church claims a restored priesthood. They claim the Melchizedek priesthood, which if you read Hebrews chapter 7, the Melchizedek priesthood, if you read the word of God prior to Joseph Smith's perversion of scripture and um, uh, praxis, uh, you'll see that in Hebrews chapter 7, it says that Jesus Christ is Melchizedek and that that's the high priesthood. He holds that priesthood forever, and it's a priesthood that does not pass from one to another. So how are all these Mormons getting it and passing it on from one to another? If it's Christ's priesthood, Mm -hmm. if he holds it forever, and it doesn't pass from one to another, according to the inspired word of God, how are the Mormons getting it? So in terms of priesthood authority and the authority of the church, the question is, how do I know that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God and has authority, period? Because that's where this all centers. Because I agree that the church has authority. I agree with that. That God's church has authority. God gives local pastors and elders, multiple elders over local congregations. You have gifts in the church. You have all of that. And the church does have a delegated authority under the ultimate authority of the Word of God and Christ. Got that. We're not disputing whether or not the church has authority. No question there. Um, But the question that really has to be asked behind this is how do I know that your prophet has authority from God? And the answer is, I only know that based upon God's revelation about how do I actually test this prophet. I can't say, do I have really yummy feelings in my belly about this prophet? Mm, I like him. Feels good to me. I mean, subjectivism is popular today, but let's not call it biblical. I mean, because you can line the transgender activist 
the uh, LGBT person, the Mormon, the Muslim, the Jehovah's Witness, and the Christian scientists line them up, and they'll all tell you that they all have yummy feelings in their hearts and bellies about their religion and their experience. And they feel, though I have all the male parts, I feel like a lady, right? Yeah, don't mind the beard. I feel like a woman, sort of a thing. I feel it inside. Subjectivity is super important today to everybody, and it's popular but let's not call it biblical because God says in his word in Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22, he says the way you know someone's a prophet is based upon not their signs and wonders, not if it feels right, not if it looks right, but do they lead you after a different God? So in other words, if they contradict God's previous self-disclosure, his prior revelation, they're not a prophet of God. If they lead you after a different God, they contradict God's word, they're not a prophet. Second test is if they have false prophecy. They try to tell you the future. Before it happens, they fail. God says, that's your indication. They're not a prophet. If they have one failed prophecy, clearly they're not from the sovereign God because the sovereign God wields history. He controls the future. He can tell you the future before it happens and get it right every time. Fallible men can't do that. So Joseph Smith claimed authority from God as a prophet. He fails God's test every time. In terms of what he says about God, what he says about the gospel, he perverted the word of God, he taught polytheism, he mangled the doctrine of justification in his JST translation. Just look at JST translation of Romans 4, and then look at the real Romans 4, and see how he completely mangles it. He distorts the nature of grace, and so when someone says, like, come to the church with authority, it's like, well, how do I know your church has authority? Your prophet fails the test of a prophet, through and through. And so I think hopefully that's a good, a, a good start to yep. the conversation. I think most important, taking a, mm. a look at the foundations. Absolutely. I, I would agree 100%. Um, what would be some examples? Like what have you noticed just from being out here? Um, we talked about just the change in regards to what Mormons bring up, like in conversations versus when you first started all those years ago. Do you have any other examples? Well, I was just going to say, and we're actually at an hour, so we oh. don't, can't get too deep into this, but uh, um one one thing that's made this so difficult and like you have that like they don't care anymore <laughs> most of like the older the older mormons like like craig or like stefan or some of those other guys like yeah they, they care but a lot of these younger guys and i actually was talking to craig about this last night there's so much postmodern, woke transhuman homosexual nonsense coming out of provo and byu like a lot of the younger generations, they don't care about what the prophet their their prophets. They said. could dismiss it. They they literally say, oh, "Well, he was wrong. I don't care." And and you know, there's the guy Hayden. I don't want to get into it now, but Hayden that the, the Daniel and Oscar debated. He's been out there a lot, and like just the stuff he says. Like I'm like he needs to become Mormon before we can even have this conversation. And not not even like what you're talking about. Like right. his beliefs are so postmodern. They're not even Orthodox Mormonism. And it just makes it really difficult to even have a conversation because they're, they're everything's so subjective, e- even beyond their profits and stuff. If, if time travel was allowed, I would love to do some sort of podcast where we could have two Mormons get together from the Mormons that we met 20 years ago versus the ones now. I told Craig, like a two different to time. To <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish there's like a Mormon multiverse podcast and just have them like talk. You know, Mormon from the 70s, yeah. like mm-hmm. a Mormon from the early like late 90s, early 2000s, and have someone like Hayden today. Cause it's so night and day. And it's, 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 it's hard because, as we wrap up here, just because they're so confident in their assertions, but, they, they, but they're totally oblivious to the fact that we looked at pe- across at people just like you mm-hmm. who believed just the polar opposite of you 20 years ago oh, yeah. before you were, you know, say, before when you were super young or before you were even born. Yeah, I mean, I—and I, 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 I think even in, in last night, our friend joking— about turning the heat up on me because they just get me used to the fire. I I think he really believes that because he's old school Mormon. Yeah, he would, yeah. Right, he would. And so like back in the day, they would tell us, you're a Gentile, you're of the church of Satan. Yeah, what you believe is an abomination. No, we're not Christians. We're Mormons. Um, And they would say to me, like, yeah, you are definitely going to outer darkness. Like that place of punishment, you're going there. That's for apostate Mormons and those who kick against the goads, like you. You're fighting our church, you're resisting our church, so you definitely, you definitely are going to outer darkness. Now, I mean, I'm hard-pressed to find a Mormon that'll tell me, you know, uh, have enough love to tell me, yeah, you're going to hell, Jeff. Well, Hayden Hayden said literally the only people that will be in outer darkness is those who have a direct witness from God himself and reject that. Mm. 
that's the only way. And I was just like, mm. wow, things have changed. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Mm. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. We did not get to uh, some of the stuff we were talking about I wanted to do in terms of authority, foundations, and, and defending justification. Maybe next week we'll do that on the show. But uh, we definitely want to get to that. Uh, very important stuff, foundational stuff. And I think we'll probably have lots of content to go through after this week of oh, all of yeah, evangelism. Yeah. So we'll probably play some video clips for you. At some point we'll give you some highlights. We'll give you a highlight reel of, of what took place at the Mormon Temple this past two weeks. Uh, uh, please pray. Please pray for what's going on in Louisiana right now. Uh, very important. If you guys just got into the broadcast, uh, we got so many good things happening out there. We got our Bill of Equal Protection, and that's to criminalize and abolish it out there. Um, we got the approval of the Louisiana Caucus uh, to, for abolition uh, that surrounds our bill uh, bills out there. And um, I'm flying out to Louisiana next week. I'm going to be posting on my channel on Facebook and on our Apologia Studios the details of where we're going to be next Tuesday. So next Tuesday is, what date is that? Um, next Tuesday, yeah. So next Tuesday at 19th. 6 p.m., the 19th, at 6 p.m. at a church in Baton Rouge. We're going to be there holding a special meeting. I'm flying out specifically for this and some other stuff on that day. But I'll be in Baton Rouge, 6 p.m. at a church. I'm going to post where, as soon as I find out, uh, to mobilize believers in that state to get them ready. Luke and I both are going to be out uh, in Baton Rouge at the Capitol um, on the 30th yes. for our rally at 10 p.m., uh, 10 a.m., so please be there for that. Please, 10 a.m., not 10 p.m. <laughs> You'll be very upset because no one's going to be there. Uh, 10 it might be a little crazy in Baton Rouge at 10 p.m. I would imagine maybe so. I'm not sure. I've never been to Baton Rouge, so I'm not sure if it would be crazy. Um, but uh, please be in prayer. Uh, be in prayer for the opportunity we have right now to have a hearing for our bill in Louisiana. And so praise God for all his work. Sign up for all access, apologiastudios.com. If you are not with End Abortion Now yet, and you haven't gone out to save children at the mills, go to endabortionnow.com, get signed up, get free training, get free resources. We don't want a thing from you. We just want you to go out there and serve. And uh, please be in prayer for what's happening right now, because it's a very... Very big moment yes, for the church. Is. That is Jeremiah Roberts from Cultish. <laughs> that is Luke the Bear. Peace out. I'm Jeff the Coleman <laughs> and Ninja. We'll catch you next time right here on Apologia Radio.